This is an ABC podcast. You know when you're a little kid and you heard someone's high heels on the floor of Kmart or mm. Target, mm. that sound? Oh, yeah. On the heels on Lino, I find the sound of you tapping very comforting. There you go. A bit of ASMR. It is, isn't it? It's nice. A little bit of tapping ASMR. Tappy, 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 tappy. Busy work. <laughs> busy work. Doing busy work. Busy bee. I'm a busy bee. Why do we start talking like we're talking to an animal or a child when we do ASMR? I don't know. Because <laughs> that's how they do it, isn't it? on. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. So good to see you. You look nice today. Thanks. You commented on my makeup. Got makeup on that you did yourself. I did myself. Yeah, it looks good. Well, I've had a couple of different things on this week and I've had professional makeup done mm. a handful of times. And so I had to catch myself on what day it is. And I did do it myself. And that makes me happy that you're commenting mm. on the slap, as we call it, the yeah. slap on my face. Putting the slap on your face. If you're offended by us the- calling us the slap, that's actually a term for putting for makeup. It's mm. not, yeah, I just want to make that clear. Yeah. I love it. The slap. Panel beating, I call it. <laughs> a little bit of panel beating. <laughs> and I have panel beaded the hell out of this face. No, you look great. We're up to 199. 199. Mm. It's 199. One away from 100. I mean, 200. <laughs> 200. 200 episodes. That's amazing. That's next week. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Bang On's been going for about five years now. Is it? Yeah. Oh, God. You know I what was, that means? I was but a, but a young child when I started this. Can I just say a little cursory maths for you? That means we don't really take many breaks because that's on average 40 episodes a year. That's pretty good. I reckon that's pretty good. That's really good. Pat on the back to kick yeah. off bang on. Yeah, well done us. Well done us. Hard working. But didn't we decide this year we're not we're not living for work anymore? So so next year there'll be three episodes of bang on. <laughs> Your place for music, art, life and stuff, bang on is on and you know we love a list. It's listmas, end of year, faves. Best ofs, all of it. Conversation starters, as I like to call them, because they're not definitive. They are people's opinions. Mm -hmm. They're sometimes publicly voted, but often they're put together by teams. Like at Double J, we just shared our 50 best albums. Teams of experts, I like to say. Of 2021. Who've actually spent their life in the trenches. Mucking around in trenches, the mud. Right. The, well, the muddy trenches. We're not talking about war, war zones. More like muddy trenches. Mucking around. The mosh pit. Yeah. You've been doing all the, doing the hard yards on behalf of us and that's, it's a nice guide. I don't necessarily like lists. We know how I feel about lists, but it's a nice guide if you're looking for things to be able to listen to if you're not sure where to go. I think it's always good to get recommendations. 100%. Never definitive though. It's always subjective. Always subjective and just a nice little reminder half the time of like, oh, I missed that album. I forgot that came Mm. out. So that's our gift to you. But also I've been enjoying other people's lists like the New York Times published a list of their favourite TV shows of the year Mm. and a heap of them we've talked about on Bang On this year as well. I'd totally forgotten about Bo Burnham's Inside. Oh. Wow. Instagram. Instagram, which is all of our Instagrams. That was this year. Gosh, it feels like it was about two years ago. Seriously, yeah. And that was, of course, the the comedy podcast. I mean, it wasn't particularly funny. It was actually more sort of terrifying than anything. Done by Bo Burnham, who was locked in his house. Yeah, like a like one-hour comedy us. special. It was <laughs> in lockdown. completely different to any other special that you would have seen on Netflix. You know, there was no stand-up or anything. It was just like this descent into hell. You know, I've learned something over this last year, which is pretty funny. Um, I've learned that real-world, human-to-human tactile contact will kill you and that 
all human interaction, whether it be social, political, spiritual, sexual, or interpersonal, should be contained in a much more safe, much more real interior digital space. It was amazing the at the time. I remember watching it, but I found it quite claustrophobic because I was also in lockdown at the time. It was like, oh, God. Well, it resonated with so many of us, yeah. particularly here in Australia, because we were suffering in certain parts of Australia with those lockdowns. Mm. Can I have a, I've got a confession to make. What? Do you remember the week that we talked about it? Yeah. Because everyone was talking about it. Yeah. And we came into the room together mm. and started talking about Bo Burnham's inside and you were like, what do you think of it? I was like, oh, it's great, really funny. And you were just like, really? Yeah. I'd only watched the first half. <laughs> that would make sense then. And the second half <laughs> is so dark. But And I watched it after we did Bang On. I was like, oh, oh God. Oh. <laughs> Someone's enthusiastic about something that's actually pretty bleak. Your face when I was like, I thought it was really funny. You were like, just like gave me that look as though, do I even know you? You know what I love from this though is that, Dan, you're pretty diligent and you you get a lot of stuff done and, and you're very capable and all of those things. You're amazing. Far more organised than I could ever be. I love the fact that you actually just kind of tried to slip that one under the carpet. <laughs> because that's more a me manoeuvre than anything. Oh, yeah, no, no, it was great. Loved it, loved it. You've been very honest with the shows that you've half-watched this year, so I thought it was only fair to return the favour. Yeah, good. I did eventually watch it, but at the time I'd only watched half of it, and that explains why if you two were listening going, what the hell is she talking about, mm. that's why. Another show that we loved this year was Hacks. Ladies and gentlemen, the queen of Synth City, Miss Deborah Vance Young. You guys are going to have a fabulous time. Ow! 2,500 shows. What do you have to say? Well, I'll tell you what I have to say. Eat your heart out, Celine! Ah, this made me so happy, this show, to see the bringing together of uh, an older generation and and younger generation, two people at the top of their game, seemingly, uh, based on the life, I guess you could say loosely, of Joan Rivers, the the comedian who Mm. was at the end of her career um, still trying to keep that machine going and a young writer who who doesn't respect necessarily the trajectory of, of this older comedian and the bonding of the two. I, I just love this series. I think I think the mark of a great TV series is one that sticks with you and stays with you mm. far beyond its screening because there's been so much over the last couple of years. It's almost too much, a plethora of choices, but Hacks is something that I I really can't wait to see the next season of. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, something to look forward to. And it's also part of the greater Jean Smart renaissance. Oh, I know. She and was part of Mayor, Mayor of Easttown, Town, which we loved as well. Yeah, that would definitely be on the list of, of one of the great series of this year as well. Have we noticed something about the lists thus far? Uh, I looked at mine. I I wrote a very loose list and I thought, hmm, there's a lot of female stories. Yeah. And I love that, finally. Finally, and strong female leads um, really owning the stories, being the highlights of series, something like The White Lotus. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge. Just she was amazing. And that series. And Murray Bartlett as Murray well. Murray Bartlett, look, he has just completely gone up in my estimations as an as an actor. and Desperately want to be his best friend. Oh, I know. I just, oh, he is superb <laughs> and he was superb. Did he win any awards for that? You'd think he should have. Uh, maybe the Emmys hasn't come around for that series. It might have mm. just missed it. So maybe in the Emmys next year. If he doesn't get one, it. I'll be so upset. Because, I mean, just for the tan alone, the tan and the moustache and the 
and the chinos. And the stunt poo. And the stunt poo. He deserves everything. He deserves all the awards. I loved him. I also was surprised when I was looking at this New York Times best of that Call My Agent, because I've watched pretty much the whole mm. series finally after you finally banged after on about Finally after me banging on about it for ago, five years. Yeah. I finally got there and I didn't realise that this latest season was just this year as well and that had all the big stars. Like they just kept on going up and Sigourney up. Sigourney Weaver was even in it. She's not French. Just amazing. And... Um, that was a great revelation for me this year. And I know yeah. a lot of Bang Fam loved Call My Agent off the back of your recommendation. If you haven't watched it yet, summer holidays, if you're stuck inside, it's Christmas and you don't want to talk to the relatives or whatever, <laughs> um, Call My Agent is something you can just lock into. Which and... is a good one if your relatives don't like subtitles. Oh, exactly. It's a great way to clear the room straight yeah, away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no young children are going to be watching this with you. Um, you'll be getting no requests for anything because you've got to focus on the screen. It's a brilliant <laughs> series. I just love it. It's so, so I miss good. them. I feel like they're... People in my world, I actually miss them. And when I heard that they were finishing, or well, the final episode suggests that the show was finishing, but then, of course, we found out there's going to be a movie, which inevitably might be like Sex in the City, the movie, might not live up to expectations. Going to go to Abu Dhabi and yeah. do some incredibly... <laughs> Lawrence of Malabia. Un- things. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you remember that line? That's Samantha. <laughs> Truly awful. I try to block it out. You know where you just have like little black spots in your history? I just try to think not not think about the Sex in the City movie. <laughs> um, while we're recording this, you do realise that the debut of And Just Like That whoa, happens tonight. It's dropping tonight. Yeah. So are you going to watch... The new Sex and the City reboot. How are you going to approach it? Because I loved the show for all the reasons uh, that everybody loved it, but also kind of hated it too. Because, you know, those women are unattainable. You cannot attain the the financial status that these women had and and all of that. But I still loved the show. It was just fantastic. It's part of our, I was going to say childhood, it's part of our coming of age too. I don't know about you, but I like, I remember my 25th birthday, what I asked for. From my friends was DVD box set. Close. I got that for another birthday, <laughs> but I seriously asked for a cocktail shaker, six martini glasses, and the ingredients for Cosmopolitan. Oh, I love like that. it was a moment. Yeah. We wanted to be them. Did and you it's... go on a Sex in the City tour in, in, <laughs> in New York City in the meatpacking district? No, but I did go to Magnolia Bakery and stand in line for cupcakes for far too long. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but we, um, are you going to watch it? You're going to watch the new series? Hundred percent going to watch too. it. Me one, too. And one of the things that I think that really rang true looking at all these lists was that so many of them and it is from the New York Times so many of them are HBO series one of which Mm. is Succession which wound up the season finale this week we're not going to give any spoilers I didn't even know it was the season finale short season eight episodes I just I mean it ended rather abruptly and you know what what could be interpreted as a cliffhanger but I just hadn't didn't get that vibe from it at all I was surprised too until I saw it was like hang on a minute surely it can't end here but it has for Mm. you know the immediate time and in the same week that season three of Succession wound down, The New Yorker have published a profile on oh. the actor that plays Kendall Roy. It's called On Succession, Jeremy Strong Doesn't Get the Joke. Mm. And Michael Shulman, who you realise through the course of this article, has known Jeremy Strong for quite a while. Mm. First met him almost 20 years ago. When he was an assistant to Daniel Day-Lewis, would that be right? I think it was around then. And And also drink every time you read Daniel Day-Lewis in this article. (laughs) You'll be absolutely drunk by the end of it. God, it's it's um, it's quite a profile, isn't it? I don't know what it is. I just don't know. I don't know if the journo's in on the joke or if there is no joke. It's a freaking hit job. It's so mean. Yeah, it's like Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall... Kendall Roy in succession 
is essentially Kendall Roy in succession in his life and in, in his approach to acting as far as you can gather mm. from this profile piece. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to things like travelling with his own drip coffee machine because when he goes to Italy, I mean, Italy's got fine coffee, like better you than American. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be fine. He travels with his own drip coffee machine. Um, he organised Al Pacino to appear at Yale, I think it was, as a speaker, purely, I think, for his own entertainment and benefit at great expense to everybody. Almost bankrupted the uh, the theatre group that they'd been running for 100 years or something that was marking its occasion just because they had to pay for all the uh, the bits and pieces for Al to come along. Yeah. And often wears on, on his days off clothes of his character yeah. to pretty much continue that line, which clearly is a very fine line between him and his character. So he gets around looking like Kendall Roy, wearing the jacket and the glasses. He calls it identity diffusion in the article. He says, mm. if I have, he doesn't call it method acting, it's identity diffusion. Oh, okay. And says, if I have any method at all, it is simply this, to clear away anything, anything that is not the character and the circumstances of the scene. And usually that means clearing away most everything around you and inside you so that you can be a more complete vessel for the work at hand. It's interesting to see his fellow actors, like Kieran Culkin in particular, <laughs> who won't have it. No. He's just like, nah, that guy's kind of, it's kind of a bit of a dick move and it's really annoying. And some of the other people who work on set and the things that he requires, isolating himself from the rest of the group because he's isolated from the family. So he wants to mm. recreate that. He doesn't seem to switch off. And the fact that his heroes are Daniel Day-Lewis, Drink. Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman, mm. all actors who have done that kind of immersive method acting in roles in the past, particularly Daniel Day-Lewis, um, is is interesting that they're his heroes. He yeah. seems to be following that path. Well, he's also had a level of frustration, which I think aligns very much with, with Kendall, the character of Kendall Roy in yeah. Succession, who is trying so hard to make it, to do it, to be it, and yet always falters, always stumbles. Always kept at bay. Always kept at bay. Um, Kieran Culkin in this article is great. Um, after the first season, he said something to me like, I'm worried that people might think the show is a comedy. And I said to him, I think the show is a comedy. <laughs> and he thought I was kidding. So what he's doing is essentially playing it like it's Shakespeare. And everybody else is having a having a great time. But it is King Lear when you look at it. It is this absolutely is King, Lear. King Lear, and that's what makes me think there there there's got to be some sort of Shakespearean end to somebody. Oh God! At some point, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. I will but... say this: the season one and two. Uh, I think season two got better than season one. Season three, again, the writing is so phenomenal, but the comedy has dropped away a lot. It is so incredibly mean. It is really rough. Oh. And the writing saves it because you can relish the enjoyment of that beautiful prose mm. that they're bouncing off each other with. But God, it's hard to watch. I've got to say, it's really hard to watch, especially the portrayal, and, and this is a bit serious, but watching that sort of emotional slash narcissistic abuse that goes on yeah. from the father figure in the family. Like I actually find that when he turns, I actually find it quite quite difficult to watch like yeah. it's like oh shit that's uh, you know if you want to know what that's like there it is mm. that's it, it's it's writ large in this show have you seen the final episode yes so i didn't know it was the final episode though. it felt though that there was that a lot me. and again no spoilers 
I'm looking at Gab, our producer, <laughs> our bang babe, because I'm like, she's like, no, 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 she's saving it up yeah, to binge she- it all. Um, it feels like that episode was a great exploration of why Logan Roy is the way he is and why his kids are the way they are mm. and this um, intergenerational behaviour and trauma that oh. just, they just keep on teaching each other to do the same things. Oh, and the, it just and carries on. And it's like fly fishing. The whole thing feels like a f- like an episode of fly fishing, you know, out on the beach where you sort of throw the thing out and then you bring the reel in a bit and then you throw it out again you bring it in. It's like, Ugh! Amazing analogy. Oh, I don't know if that works. But <laughs> I tried. I tried. But you know what I mean? That yeah. just, yeah, it's forever just dangling that little treat that you get on the end of the fishing line and no one ever gets it. Hell of a show. I need a big hug after the season finale mm. and hopefully we don't have to wait too much longer for the following season after a bit of a break. Whew. Uh, also, another show that stuck with me, if you want highlights for the year, mm. two more French shows. I don't know why. I just feel like French television is killing it at the moment, although this is not particularly highbrow. <laughs> we are talking to you right now. Yeah, the French real estate program. Can't even remember what oh, it was called. The Parisian Agency. <laughs> I cannot wait for the next series. Of <laughs> but also L'Opera as well, the um, the oh, one yeah. based in that beautiful building in Paris. I, I've just been loving French TV recently so yeah and a little shout out also I just realized I mean we are reading international publications but a lot of American French and British shows but of course locally we had the newsreader which was one of Mm. our favorite shows this year too and just cleaned up at the actors um, this week too so shout outs to that incredible ABC drama if you missed out on that well worth watching beautiful He's just sort of part of the musical furniture of American culture. Something that I'm not going to miss out on this weekend is a doco on Kenny G. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who knew? Please just have a listen. This is a little bit of a trailer. I don't think there's anything wrong with hard work. That's a hard lick. I just played it really well. Putting in the reps and then reaping the reward of, hey, I'm really good at this. I think that's why my career's lasted this long. The fact of the matter is, Kenny G in the 1990s was one of the most well-known musicians on this planet. Somebody asked me, what kind of music do you do? Is it jazz? I don't know. You might think it might be jazz. Well, is it pop? I don't know. You might think it might be pop. He was having a huge impact on defining what jazz is, even though the jazz community were looking at his music with disdain. These are songs from my heart. This is the way I just hear it. They think I've decided to play these kind of songs because I knew they would sell well. If only I was that smart. So this looks incredible. It's on this weekend on the Foxtel or the Binge. Yeah, this is right in my wheelhouse, I think, (laughs) when it comes to high-quality documentaries and subjects that don't really know how they're perceived or how they portray themselves. I think this might be a big tick in that box because I think what goes on in Kenny's head is very different to how the world perceives Kenny. And for this, I love him even more. I mean, those video clips, I actually went back and looked at a couple of the 90s video clips and, my Lord, him on the beach in a pair of <laughs> denim, high denim jeans um, playing it. It's either an alto sax or a, um, or a clarinet. I can't remember. What was the big hit? The big hit of Kenny G. What uh, was the big hit of Kenny G, Oh, Gab? it was this one. Hang on. Let me get it. Kenny G. Miff Googles. Kenny G. You're going to bring it up on the speakers? Um, oh, Songbird. This is it. This is, if you want a little bit of a lull, check out the clip for Songbird. Don't mind the ads here. 
Who's who gets that version of YouTube where you don't have ads? Anyone? You pay for it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Here we go. This is it. I just it, this is like hotel. Can you hold it up to the microphone a bit more. This Miss? is hotel lobby. Are we allowed to play this? I'm not sure, but wait for it to. We're kick talking in. over it. It's review. Oh yeah, this bit. I'm either yeah in a flotation oh, he tank. He's wearing a white singlet. <laughs> He's going along the beach in California. He's got a look. He's got the most substantial curly mullet. It's heaven. I would have loved to be on the beach that day, just seeing Kenny G wandering down. Do it again, Kenny. Another take. <laughs> Another. No, oh, you look. Your hair looks great, Kenny. Your hair is great. All right, that's enough for Songbird. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, of course, everyone hated Kenny G at the time and probably still does, but he really encapsulated the development from what was known as Muzak, i.e. elevator music, that kind of thing. Yeah. He actually brought Muzak into the mainstream. And so jazz artists hate him. It, like anyone who likes music or thinks that they know anything about music hates him. But in actual fact, is what he did all that bad? I don't know. I can't wait to see the documentary. I think, you know, he gave comfort to a lot of people. And uh, in a way, I feel like if Kenny G was around, I mean, uh, there's so many client liaison look like Kenny G these days. And that's cool. <laughs> like, and, and I'm sure that they would appreciate that little nod, you know, like it's things change. Who was that philosopher or musician that talked about music being wallpaper and that being fine? There was someone who used to talk about that. But you know what? We're kind of, that's become much more of a trend that we're comfortable with. But Kenny G was there at the beginning. This is like, this is stuff that fills Spotify playlists now. Everyone listens to this, that kind of cross-section of music and meditative reflection Mm. and a lot of sort of new jazz. You're not getting that out of your head. Thanks a lot. I know. I mean, think about where music has gone in the last couple of years. The slowness, the gentleness of music these days. Yeah. Like, maybe it all began with Kenny G. I mean, maybe was, this is his great it return. Was, it was Richard Clayderman. It was Liberace. It was Richard Clayderman. It was Kenny G. <laughs> and then it was that guy who does the waltzes, but I don't I don't think he quite fits in. Violin guy. Oh, not Herb Albert? No, no. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. There's a great tradition of this stuff. And to be honest, I also think that the, that the real hatred of this music is very gendered too because mm. this music appeals, well, Kenny G appealed to a lot of mums, women, yeah. women, mums. You know, it's like the derision of pop music. It's a similar thing. And while I won't say that he's a great player or his music is good, he is a skilled player. He is, he is. But he's not, you know, he's not an amazing interpretive jazz performer or anything like that. But he gave people a lot of joy and, you know, is that a bad thing? Listening to Kenny G is the name of the documentary. I will Saturday be watching night, it. you're watching it. <laughs> it's part of actually, is really great to see the trailer of this because it was a reminder. A lot of people have been talking about the Woodstock 99 doco, which mm. is also part of this same music box series. And also there was another one that... Um, People were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Alanis Morissette's Doco Jagged. So they're all part of the same series and they're all apparently available, as with the Kenny G one, will be this weekend on Foxtel or Binge. So do a little search if you want to check it out. Um, Some great music docos. From Kenny G (laughs) to other gifts, specifically Advent calendars. Look, I think I'm going to push the boundaries and call this... 
promotion. Oh, really? If only for the excuse to play our own handmade bespoke fashion music that the wonderful Darren made for us, especially mm. for this segment. Thank you, Darren. It's a bit of a push, though, isn't it, to call this fashion? But it is from one of the greatest fashion houses in the world, Chanel. Or Chanel, up... if you... What? <laughs> Chanel. Chanel. Chanel, the Australian version. <laughs> Chanel. <laughs> They put out their first ever advent calendar. Mm. Uh, not cheap though. What is it? Eight hundred twenty-five. So that's one thousand one hundred here in Australia, and I'm sure probably taken off the shelves now. I don't think anyone's buying it here. Not since a TikTok video went viral this week, where a young woman decided, well, hell, they've never done an advent calendar. What could possibly go wrong? Um, she bought it and she unboxed it. And, oh, my goodness, it's one of the funniest things when it comes to fashion because basically what's happened is every day she's – well, she unboxed a couple of them. It looks gorgeous. It's like a Chanel bottle, so it looks expensive. It's beautifully packaged. Wins on that note. It's in those gorgeous boxes that your Chanel perfume comes Mm. in, so it's Mm. very simple, kind of off-white. Classy. Classy. Classy, classy. Expensive looking. Expensive looking, but then you open it, she opened it up and she opened some boxes that she was really looking forward to. And in it she found promo stickers and a, a bracelet that had it was like made out of wax seal and string. And the highlight of one of the days, well, it was a dust bag. The <laughs> dust the dust bag that you often if you purchase anything from Chanel puts around they put around the clothes. So it's not even an item. Like a little drawstring bag. Drawstring bag. Like a I've never purchased anything from Chanel. I'm just confirming that right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's essentially what you get in the advent calendar. So basically they were just clearing out the cupboards of all their promotional shite. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't for it? Eight hundred and fifty American or a thousand over a thousand dollars Australian. And they got absolutely roasted on social media and rightly so too. You'd think you'd be getting a little bit better than that, wouldn't but you? It's a lot of money for a grand locally. It got me thinking about all the other advent calendars you can get though, because if you do a little dive into the internet, apparently the most pricey advent calendar you can get is a Tiffany advent calendar, which is, wait for it, $150,000. What? <laughs> it's got, wait, this is pretty amazing. It's a four-foot-tall cabinet with a reproduction of the Jean-Michel Basquiat painting from Tiffany's recent Equals Pie ad, and there are 24 gifts inside. You'd be mm. hoping that many of them contain diamonds. You would want that. You would want that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Who, I often think, how do, who are these people that can afford this stuff? Influencers. <laughs> do they? Do, influencers don't buy anything themselves, do they? Adam Liao tweeted: the purpose of an advent calendar is to open it one day at a time because this, you know, <laughs> these are influencers. They unbox and they just go all at it. And I get that, but I also recently got an advent calendar from my brother as a gift yeah. from a beauty company, Ooh. and I opened it all in one go. <laughs> What, what did you get in there? That sounds awesome. Samples. It's just samples. It's samples. <laughs> oh. I mean, they're good samples. I'm using them. But yeah. It's samples. That's it. And that's the same with, with Chanel and it's the same with all of them. Let's just get back to chocolates and lollies, shall we? I feel like this does fit under fashion because we don't understand it. And no. And that's okay. That is okay. <laughs> and if you don't understand what's going on at Coco Chanel or Chanel, um, <laughs> then that's okay with us. Hey, Miff, next week we're going to be banging back, an epic bang back for our 200th episode. Before we get into bang on, I just wanted to give the bang fam one last heads up. If you want to tell us about a big lesson that you've learned off the Mm. back of what has been a really challenging year, 
Man, we've been getting some really amazing emails. Oh, uh, just thinking about them makes me tear up. They're so good. Just incredible. And you've just filled us with so much joy and hope and positivity and some big lessons as well. So we're going to be sharing those next week and we are putting them together this coming week. So please email us in the bang box. The email address is in the show notes and we will be banging back with you. Episode 200, the finale for 2021 with a big lesson next week. There will be tears. There will be, I'm sure. But happy tears. Good tears. Happy tears. What are you banging on about this week? Okay, um, I found a podcast and I remember reading about it somewhere in a magazine or online, I don't know, and I thought, oh, that sounds right up my alley. I'm going to give it a listen this week. And I did. I've listened to the first couple of episodes because, um, you know, I love Italian food. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? I, who doesn't? Exactly. Favourite food. Yeah, it's – I've always felt like I was born in the wrong country. I, I've always felt like I should – there's got to be some Italian in there somewhere, not that that's ever been confirmed, but, you know, in my mind that's where I think I I should be. Um, So I thought I'd listen to this because when you embrace a culture's food, you have to embrace all the elements of their food. And uh, there's a great new podcast that's actually bilingual so if you, oh, it's from SBS so if you are Italian you can actually listen to the Italian version of it I think it's their first bilingual I can't even say bilingual but how do you say it Bi- bilingual bilingual, bilingual. Got, it, got it try not to pronounce the u too much bilingual yeah that's no. a problem yeah bilingual bilingual, bilingual. <laughs> um Anyway, it's a bilingual post podcast. It's it's put together by Massimiliano Gugole. My Italian is pretty bad, um, although I can speak the first probably chapter of Avanti, that book. Avanti, Avanti, Spumanti, Signora God, you just took me back to Dove il libro? Dove il libro? Oh, Dario! Io sono non sono in. There. If you're confused and or offended, Avanti is a book and we have sung from it before. Mm. We both learned from it when we were in primary school or high school learning Italian. Mm. Mm. And anybody who knows that song knows Avanti. Absolutely. And Dario was always getting up to always trouble. Always late. Always late. <laughs> um, okay. This podcast, though, is the ugly ducklings of Italian cuisine. So while we're enjoying our pastas and we're enjoying our, you know, all those things that we love, this one is actually about the food that's very, quite often regional, very specific to an area. And quite frankly, I've never heard of things more disgusting in my life. (laughs) First episode. Bring it on. First episode is a cheese that you can only get in Sardinia. And thankfully, when I did go to Sardinia, I didn't have it or see it. Otherwise, I would have cleared out immediately. (laughs) It's often known as jumping cheese. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, they call it larvae just to make it sound like. Oh, I know what's happening. They just call it to make it sound a bit better. But this is a cheese that has, what's the awful word for larvae? Um, Maggots? Yeah. No! This is a cheese that has maggots in it and it's a delicacy. And I was like, I listened to the whole thing. And, and, And like, it's, it's just. But you get it, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little avenue of storytelling. It could be delicious. I've had crickets before in my guacamole. Oh, yeah, crickets are fine, but larvae maggots, comes, maggots come with flies. Yeah. And that's <laughs> even though uh, the gentleman on the podcast was explaining that because larvae are really only made up of what they land on, mm. there's really nothing bad about it at all. But the idea of eating it, oh, yuck. <laughs> Yeah, I feel a bit sick actually talking about it. Anyway, thanks um, for sharing it then. Yeah, it's but it's cute. Like it's just it's just something completely left of center that I I 
just happened upon and I've listened to it and um, I'm going to listen to the rest of it. There's a, I'm looking forward to the episode about uh, casserole that has chicken heads in it. Oh, I think that's really coming hard. up. I, actually, I didn't I mind love- the one. There's another episode that I did listen to that was, it was a bit too nice. Uh, some sort of dip made out of anchovies and garlic. Sounds fabulous. That's I'm into straight, it. Straight up. I actually love this because I think that our – uh, experience of Italian food is quite sheltered. Like mm. you go to an Italian restaurant and you've got a lot of different things, but ma- mainly people think pizza, pasta, you know, the basics. But it is a huge cuisine mm. and there's so much to explore. And obviously that's on the more kind of experimental mm. and challenging end of things. Mm. Um, but it's it's having those conversations. I love it. But it's also it also plays into that idea of what foods are okay to eat and how judgmental we can be of other cultures as True. well. True, what you grow up with is what you're used to. Absolutely. And depending on where you've been raised, so your normal is someone else's free show and vice versa, you know. Absolutely. So to sit in judgment of somebody having chicken heads or larvae in in cheese is not our business, really, I don't think. Well, I sit here and go, I could never do that. Um, It's actually perfectly normal in some cultures and that's what I reminded myself of when I, a couple of years ago, I did a little show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I remember that one. And I had to eat a bull's penis and I remember the the thing that, oh, it was so disgusting. Tell Um, me about what was the... um, What was the palette on that one? Was that what was the, the flavor stench profile? Was the worst. Um, <laughs> the flavor profile was gelatinous and really hard to swallow. Um, oh, that's not even a joke. Um, <laughs> I just said I stayed completely quiet. Oh, <laughs> yuck! It was so gross. But then I remember thinking the whole time, somewhere in the world, this is a delicacy. Yeah, and it's not my job. That's a good thing to think of while you're eating it. It's Appreciate my, the moment, me. Yeah, it's not my. <laughs> I like to 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 poo poo it at the time would be offensive to somebody, so I just shoved it in. <laughs> That's what she said. And it was horrible, boom boom. Um, and it was it wasn't pleasant, but you know, that's. The world is the world is a very varied and interesting place. <laughs> it was a very varied bang on. What's yeah. the podcast called again? Oh, well, I've forgotten. <laughs> it's called The Ugly Ducklings of Italian Cuisine. Love it. Very cute. Love it. What are you banging on about? I'm actually funnily enough banging on about a TV show, but the one that was based on a podcast. And some people might have heard this because I think it was a big hit. I've never listened to it before. It's called The Shrink Next Door. Ah. And this is based on the story of a man who was manipulated and taken advantage of uh, over a long time by his psychiatrist. The goal of life is to live. We'll turn you into the man you truly deserve to be. This doctor's a little unconventional. He's a miracle worker. What is he doing here? Helping us. What do you think? So much fun. Is that allowed? Well, it didn't work, did I? He's changed my life. He's changed me. You clearly have a good eye. Me? You're the one with the good eye. Eyes. Two eyes. The, the, the appropriate quota of ocular spheres. <laughs> Why are we running? I don't know, right? You are growing, Marty! So it's just been turned into a TV series which is happening now on Apple TV. Paul Rudd plays the psychiatrist. Will Ferrell plays the hapless man. And it is, again, so hard to watch someone being oh, really? manipulated yeah. and just continually worn down but highly compelling as well. I love Paul Rudd. He doesn't age. He's Didn't never he just aged. Win the Who magazine sexiest man of the year? Possibly. I've cover? always had a thing for Paul Rudd. I never got it. You really? I don't get it. He's just he's a guy next door, isn't he? 
There's something about him. Is Although there? after seeing this, that you could change him. because he's truly awful. Yeah, I heard. I heard, which is probably good. It shows he has range. He has range. He cannot be made to look old, though, because it does travel over a long period of time. And as you see, they sort of make up Will Ferrell and colour his hair and stuff, and he looks a bit old and craggly. But Paul Rudd will forever look like a 25-year-old <laughs> sorority boy. That's just his vibe. Yeah. Just that he looks the same as he did in freaking Clueless. So anyway, it's fantastic. It's um, up to about episode. Episode 7 coming this week. It is really hard to watch, but beautifully executed. And I just love Will Ferrell. I love, you know, we talked a little bit about his Eurovision film a couple of years Mm. ago. Obviously, that's comedy, but he's tending into more serious roles. And I think he's really got the ability to do that. Like his range, again, is just a lot broader than we initially thought. So, yeah, it's fantastic. And you will love this because it's all, it kicks off in the 80s and the styling and the fashion. And they're in New York and they go to the Hamptons. It's amazing. Ah, on the list. It's you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) What is me? What is me? 80s decor and... um, Someone who doesn't age. Someone who doesn't age. Oh, hardly. Um, I feel it in my bones. But also uh, (laughs) just just a little bit of emotional trauma as well. That's great. (laughs) Chuck it all in. There you go. That's Miff. Sprinkling of manipulation and there you have Miff Warhurst. (laughs) Not true. Next week, episode 200. I can't believe we're at this point. I know. But we're going to have a big old group hug with the Bang Fam one last time for 2021 before we return for three episodes in 2022. Yes, only three because we... Yeah. What, what is, what, what's a weekend? Jokes. We don't work. Jokes. <laughs> I'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang.